So we are gathered here today, really to just reminisce. It's just me and James. I don't know what we're going to call this. Really, there's no label to uh, what we're talking about, I guess. You want to call a space heater chat? Because that's basically what we're doing. Fireside. Yeah. We're just yeah, fireside. fireside chat. Yeah. So, so essentially, this is a space heater chat. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, yeah, 15 years. That is uh, quite a long time. It just well, that's makes the you reason. feel your age, doesn't it? It's like, especially since we started out uh, in the basement there of uh, Bethune College uh, in a classroom. Yeah, in in York University. Well, we eventually moved to the basement. I guess we should go a little bit. Well, first of all, March 2nd marked the 15th anniversary. The first episode of Anime Roundtable was taped on March 2nd, 2006. And... And I have to look this up. Actually, you're right. It was the third floor because it was across we were, from yeah. the gallery and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. then we moved to the... You're right. I, that tells you how 15 years can uh, play with your mind, doesn't it, Mike? Or blur your memory, uh, which, it ba which it has bad... But no, done. we were up on that third floor for a while for many of the first episodes. And then, as you said, when they redid the bottom of Bethune College for the club rooms... The anime club Yama, that's where we ended up uh, doing a lion's share of the final part of uh, part one. Version one. Yeah. Yeah, and most of version one was taped in that building by far, right? I think. And then, as you said, version two, uh, we moved to your yeah. apartment. And then, of course, we've been doing these online ones uh, for most sure. of 2020. And then we've Pretty had a few, a few other uh, locations here and there that have been special uh, conversations, especially uh, the Visser brothers uh, inviting us to Comic Den before they finally closed it down. That's when I don't think me or you will ever forget. Mm -hmm. Like even them inviting us uh, to their home because that was very gracious of them. And they were always a good chat, as you said, both uh, the episodes we did with them and just uh, when we interacted and were customers of theirs for many years. Right. Well, it helps to be a customer. According to SoundCloud, we have 155 tracks up on the SoundCloud, but there are three duplicates. So it's really 152 tracks. So officially, there's like 152 some odd recordings we've done. I, I would say I would say give or take. So 155 is probably an accurate number. It's not far off anyway. So that's how many, how long we've uh, hit the record buttons and posted up stuff and what have you. And even uh, with the eight-year break, that's still a lot of recordings, still a lot about. of minutes uh, discussed and shared with uh, many people across the internet who ever decided to listen and mm -hmm. it's been a yeah, fun I mean, ride. I mean, I don't know how much, how rated numbers are i guess we rate them enough because we put episode numbers on these files as well but then you hear shows that are like in the 200s or 500s i know i know anime addicts anonymous they're like in the 500s or maybe 600s if memory serves me right um i i, I should check uh, at where anime world order sits in terms of number of episodes 
and we're doing this all on the fly. 197 as of uh, end of February. So they're about to go into an official 200th episode. So we've been uh, similar timelines and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like we've both taken our breaks and stuff oh. like that here and there. And they took longer between episodes, don't forget, because they weren't Keep as mind, weekly as we were originally. The, it comes with a caveat, though. Hundred mm-hmm. When we say 155, we it, yes, it's regular episodes. Yes, it's the digests, which I think will be something we don't really use anymore, a moniker for recordings we don't use anymore and then it's of course the solo shots that i've done and you've done and i think just megan megan swain i think is the only other person to have done a solo shot of any sort or maybe enrico as well yeah that sounds about right. well we've had so many people that we talked about uh clarissa angela of course, Neil and uh, Dean, and then like it, the list goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, well, people that we had friends. And we better mention Adam because Adam, if he ever yeah, does this and we don't mention him, he'll he'll kick our ass in some form. Uh, well, I think he'd not, more likely sue our ass, but hey, <laughs> I don't think he'd be listening for starters. That's a, that's the other other part in all of this. So but we yeah. had so many people that were very gracious enough. Uh, mm-hmm. come on Courtney. the mic and did, stuff did like that. I'm sure they're yeah I thought Courtney? I said Courtney okay. I thought I said Courtney but I might not have said Courtney there were a lot of people we had a lot of people come on this mic and that was uh very big of them uh, to do that because yeah, especially it was just it's just them uh, coming on to share some opinions with some friends and stuff like that mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't always want to do that right well that's so that's one of the things about doing a podcast Back then and then now. And I kind of started to learn these things, obser- make these observations the wrong way as we brought back the show in 2018. There's that old phrase, um, video killed the radio star, right? When music videos became in vogue, but radio kind of endured anyway. Mm-hmm. In, in, in another form, I suppose. And podcasts were meant to be, I guess, I suppose, a chance for people who don't have their, don't have those platforms, don't have broadcasting platforms to be able to express themselves to a wider audience. In some ways wide, in some ways a little bit more narrow because you're trying to promote yourself to people with similar interests. But then I guess in the eight years we were off, and not around, it kind of shifted a little bit to become extensions of, well, popular podcasts became extensions of other brands, of mainstream brands, or celebrity brands, or of radio brands, right? Podcasts became an extension of radio personalities, either you can hear, you can get here a recording of a past episode they did, or you can hear a celebrity have their own show and give their own take on various things. So and you can either do that in the comfort of your car, or if you want to do it on your phone or your computer and actually mm-hmm. watch the video version, you can. And that's well, where YouTube and 
Twitch have come in too, of course. Yeah, right? but I think my I think the dilemma in all of this is, in many respects, going back to the popular cliche, radio might have just killed the podcasting star. So finding our way in all of this now as we've returned, it's probably a losing proposition, I suppose. So you have to kind of take a look at what you want to do with the show now. I mean, that's sort of the realization I've come to after three years of being back. And maybe I've, maybe looking, when I look back on it, it was easy to promote something when there weren't too many podcasts back then in like the 2006 couple years we were there. There weren't many anime podcasts. Now there's a dime a dozen. But I think I'm wondering how much, well, there, it's obvious that YouTube has also had a big play in it. You just mentioned videos. And I know listening to, when you listen to Anime World Order, one big thing Daryl Surratt would often say is, if you're starting an anime podcast from scratch now, have a video component. And maybe that's the case for all. And I constantly go on at least Facebook groups that talk about, well, the benefits of still doing, of having a video component, which I know would be a quite a bit of work. We're actually taping this in Zencaster's newer version, which allows for actual video, uh, video chat as well. But it's unlikely we'll put up the video for this because, well, one, I don't know, really know how to do it myself. I could learn, I suppose. It's just, I can't say it's the easiest thing I, not not the easiest thing. It's just uh, I, I don't give myself the time to learn it right now. It's something uh, to think about, as we said. And we did say that uh, Zencaster is uh, changing, I guess, with the times and stuff like that. So we're going to see how this new version uh, plays out and stuff like that. Because I know Kevin always has been talking to us this year through mobile. And the mobile app with the new version of Zencaster, I know you were saying uh, it's still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I mean, the I mean, this is a looking at this interface. It's actually quite slick and quite nice. But you know, it's it's complex. Yeah, it can make complications because it does require certain types of hardware, and Kevin doesn't have that. So. For a little while, I guess we're going to still be strictly audio, but there, but also there's just a little bit more care you have to put, a little bit more editing, a little bit more know-how into doing a video. And I'll be honest, you know, I I don't have that at the moment. I guess I could take some time to learn. I have heavens knows. So we've I've already stated that I'm not uh, working right now as the pandemic continues. So, but. It's, you know, I don't know where we sit right now in terms of this podcast, right? Like, I'm happy to be able to, to express myself in this form. I'm sure everybody who comes on this show is happy to share their opinions. But I, I do see some of those analytics, and I know, frankly speaking, not many do listen to this show. I think we're we're uh, if I'm to believe SoundCloud's analytics, 
We're lucky to get 30 people. I think that's considered a small victory. And more than likely, most of them are friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, I know it was a little easier for us back then. We actually did have just straight listeners. And when we actually disappeared, or more like my, I disappeared, I kept getting the odd message about where the hell are we? So, as you said, it's hard to build it back up, especially with how it is now. But mm -hmm. I'm sure we're going to still be at it, uh, continuing on, soldiering on. Uh, we're, we've been actually doing more episodes, like uh, every two weeks and stuff like that. So we have yeah. been ramping up. And then I know you've been exploring other avenues to promote, as you said, even though it's a different world. But if we get a few uh, listeners bit by bit, it never hurts. I think all you could really do is just keep going and promise to not leave, which we did, right? And that's okay. And then we have done some different things, too, with this version, as we said. We did a few uh, interviews. We did uh, Fred Shot, and yes, that tied into us being at Anime North and stuff like that. And then we did uh, the interview with Matt Alt and stuff like that. And you never know, we might... Do uh, another I, one somewhere we down the line, depending if we find someone that we feel we could do an interesting chat with, because the chats mm -hmm. we did with uh, Matt Alt and Fred Shot, I think, really worked into what we do with the casual conversations. Well, we, and then I talk, I spoke with Kat Callahan just after yeah, no, of course, the death yes, of Izumi well Matsumoto too. and like biggest Kimiguri Orange Road fan out there. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for her. Of course, we've talked with JP. He was our other major guest, noted, uh, noteworthy guest. And here he sits probably on the precipice of doing yet another anime lockdown. And we have reached out to JP and he has stated he wants to come back on. And we will talk a little bit more about the possible second, second version of anime lockdown. Something tells me that's a certain inevitability at this point. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can get a couple more details. I think uh, over the last week, one other thing that I've tried to slowly start to ramp up a little bit is promotion within the Anime North community. Anime North, we are an official podcast, or we are official podcast Anime North. That's always been the case in the, in the history of this show, whenever we've been around. Even in the eight years we were gone, that open in that invite was always open and I am grateful to, uh, I always said I was grateful to Norman Eileen McAvoy for leaving that door open for us to return when the time was right. And, you know, it was so, it was so easy to slide back into place in 2018. And then we just said we were ready. Uh, I just wrote him saying I'm ready to return. And I, I should state this. I say I and we. And to the listeners out there, there was always a willingness from everybody else. James, Adam, when he was free, Neil, Mo, all the other regulars. And when we set up Kevin, there was always a willingness over those eight years to eventually return. The willingness had to be on my part. and. It wasn't there for much of those eight years. 
And that's another story altogether, which, you know, but, but they kept at me. And then of course, uh, I had friends also who knew about this show who never listened to it, by the way, but they knew about it and they knew how much I enjoyed doing it back then. And they, they kept telling, they kept encouraging me to eventually bring back the show as well. So that's sort of the story uh, the story of the eight years of purgatory as well. My only real regret to this point in, th- in these three years, popularity aside, listenership aside, because that's not in your control, really. All you can just do is go promote it as best you could. We never have, we haven't to this point had the Visser brothers back on. They're in a, uh, at last check, they're in a rather rural area of Ontario, but they could have been on the move last time I spoke with them. But uh, we don't know what their story is at this point. And if they are still in a rural area, their internet may not be the strongest. So they probably wouldn't be able to do an online chat like we can do here. We are spoiled with the type of internet service we have. If here in Canada, good internet in rural areas is a big issue. And you read about it all the time. The major telecoms, Bell, TELUS, Rogers, there doesn't seem to be an urgency to be able to improve that service, improve uh, higher speed internet and reliability in terms of internet in those areas. And others have got, it's gotten to the point where we're begging, where people up there are more than willing to pay more as long as that works for them. And we're here and I'm reading reports. Um, I think it's, I forgot the name of the service. It's, It's Elon Musk's satellite service. Elon Musk started a satellite service. I don't think it's SpaceX or LinkX or something to that effect. But they there have been betas that I've read about. And a lot of the people who have been able to get, get in on that, they admit, yes, they've paid a fair amount for the hardware and the service, but they're happy with it. It is, it is above, above minimum expectations. Or if you deliver it at the price and stuff like that, you're going to get the customers and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, even if it is a bit more premium. Yeah. And that seems to be the case. I think people are just happy uh, to be able to give their money to somebody who isn't Rogers, Bell, or Telus. And it might uh, give them a kick in the behind to get their uh, houses in order, but probably not. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But all those will end up doing is tax them. Tax them too. That's what pro- what they'll probably keep saying. It's not it's not a matter of them wanting to improve service. It's just they just want to make sure the government gets their cut out of it and maybe be able to cut them out altogether. Uh, I know we know all the uh, networks have been talking about that about the streaming services from outside Canada. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Jesse's uh, talked a lot about that, and it's that type of stuff is still well documented, right? Mm-hmm. But thinking. Uh, back uh, again since we're celebrating uh, 15 years in that it's like thinking back to some memories I was thinking about a few years I was looking at uh, some of the episodes I wasn't listening to them because ironically I never actually listened to any of the episodes 
You've never heard you've never heard any of the back episodes? I, I have to re-listen have, to them quite a bit. I have heard all the episodes that did not feature me because I'm one of those oh, people yeah, okay. where it's like if I'm on the thing and I've had that discussion and stuff like that, I don't know. It's just not something I'm gonna go back and listen to and stuff like that. And probably the other thing, I don't want to hear my own voice because I'm probably not going to like it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I can understand that completely. I hear my own voice and I always come out thinking, I sound like that. But I was thinking that we've done so many episodes uh, together from the beginning, Mike, and then sometimes you have those memories of the episodes where we were not on. And I think the one where both of us were not on and you just set up the mics, we just set them up was the uh, white day episode that had Angela, Clarissa, and then Carol and Mel. And I think that was Clarissa was talking about her trip back from Japan. It was a two parter. That one was in uh, 2008, March, 2008 mm -hmm. or something like that. We did like two that. versions of an all girls episode. And then I think we had Angela again, host one a year later in 2009. Yeah, and those I, were fun. I was on the Different mic, just intro, intro it, and then I turned off my mic and let them talk. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the only time I've never, I haven't spoken in any of these recordings. Well, the major recordings, aside from the solo shots. Mm -hmm. So, well, we I, I mean, I, I, I listened to bits and pieces of various episodes over the years, and sometimes I shake my head because I can't believe we sounded said certain things or we can't or the feel of the episodes were so different at the time and they would be when adam was involved in most of them because um by his own admission he knows he's a very dominant character and we just let them go yeah, right no, him and neil definitely brought uh the bang to our show that's for sure they definitely brought their oh, it was great. they brought everything so it definitely it was... had a good uh flavor to it and it was either a love him or hate him type thing, I'm sure, with some people, depending on what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and you know, sometimes, yeah, they do it just for the sake of getting people angry. And this is sort of one of those things about talk radio, right? There is a line of thinking of being of being authentic, right? You be. Uh, the secret of a lot of good podcasts is for its presenters to be real, to be authentic, to be themselves. Don't be somebody they're not. But we've also learned some of the more successful ones also have caricatures, or at the very least, people who are putting up an act of some sort. Either that or it's just exaggerations of people. So, so to use a, another metaphor, it's just people, but you dial them up to 11. This is the way they are, but if you just dial that up exponentially and the more their more prominent characteristics just stick out, right? And instead of getting the calls in, you're just trying to get either the listeners or the emails in. Mm -hmm. uh... And yes, it's done for shock value. Done. It's done for mm -hmm. entertainment value, but you are... Like in the end, it's still about the analytics. It's still about getting listeners, right? And don't get me wrong. I have a lot. Um, there is a, this, and then we'll really start to talk about the past episodes. Okay, James, mm -hmm. there is an envy out there 
for I have I do hold a, a small envy out there for people who do get those listeners, who do get those eyeballs, who do get those watching. And it's tempered by the fact that they do the work to get that. They know something I don't to be able to get that, whether it's just plugging away or certain details or know-how about how to do editing or knowing where to promote and knowing how to speak to their possible audience. They know something. They've got it. That's why I trashed haste. Probably one file, just one YouTube, forget the, forget the audio counterpart, but the YouTube video has more listeners or watchers, watchers, we're talking YouTube, watchers than the entire history of this podcast combined. I remember they are definitely uh, popular anime YouTubers. Uh, mm-hmm. So you have... But they do something uh, else. They, get, you got they have their brands. They have their brands to work on. Anime right? man, I like all of them. And... You know, and they do and, bring on some interesting guests. Like they're not your typical guests, but there's some interesting ones that you don't see everywhere. They had a former porn star. They mm-hmm. had uh, another popular uh, travelogue uh, YouTuber, uh, Chris Broad, who's abroad in Japan. Channel has over two million people watching, and he's always a good conversation and stuff like that. So he just gelled with them instantly. And then they, I think they did one where they were in drift cars or something like that. So they've done some very interesting off the wall stuff. And oh, yeah. very a lot of it is stuff. about conversation between all of them because mm-hmm. it isn't always about anime and stuff like that. And it's just the other, other thing yeah. is for the YouTube and that you have the regular episode, but sometimes what they'll do is they'll split up some of the episode into mini segments and stuff like that and post them up. So that sometimes gets people to watch certain things and maybe they then go back and listen to the full episode. You never mm-hmm. know. So it's, different way of doing things. Yeah. When I, the a couple of episodes I've listened to two or three episodes, uh, I don't give myself that much time, I'm afraid, but yeah, they talk about their dilemmas and their headaches about being YouTubers and creating content sometimes yes they do talk a little bit about their shows and really it's a very free-flowing conversation with these guys so they've done something right i wouldn't mind knowing a little bit about it but they've done something right and and you know for what it's worth um forget the jealousy part i i'm i actually enjoy listening to them as well i listen i enjoy listening to anime world order still every so often right the podcasts that have now promoted themselves um ichimon which is from japan kyo i've actually listened to a couple episodes from them which is a really good show and really really laid back show radry uh, in japan who one of the other people who interviewed matt alt that's a, that's a Nice little show as well. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot going out there. There's a lot of good stuff out there. So, okay. Okay. So let's, uh, let's go down the memories. I I'll be honest. I, as I said, I've listened to bits and pieces. I've forgotten a lot about 
some of the topics we talked about all the way back in version one myself. I think I think the one that y'all remember and most of the listeners remember because it went on for a while is we did talk about um, Nymphet or Kodomo no Jiten and stuff like that. Yes. And there were other issues that kind of pervaded that, like Chris Hanley, I believe, and other issues that I know Adam helped us out with on the law side and stuff like that because it was definitely some, I guess, touchy so- subjects, to say the least. And sometimes we went at them more full force, and we've always been knowing that, than we should sometimes. Well, I didn't... Uh, looking... Yeah, now that you bring up that title, now that you bring up Nymphet, or Kodomo no Jikan, we, I mean, put that on... Juxtapose that with uh, some of the stuff that's come out recently, and some of the... Uh, questionable titles or in question titles that have it's been interesting there. this season there's been two in question titles and people just continually turned the wheel and talked about them and stuff like that and it's and some don't interesting and some some don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole because they're worried about you know they're worried about whatever backlash there is that all said remember what i just said do people really listen to us? Right? Who are we outraging out there? Can't outrage anybody if you're not if they're not hearing you anyway. I guess the other question is are people listening to certain podcasts because they share an affinity for them or the opinions of the presenters and stuff like that so they're in an echo chamber almost it makes you wonder. Oh yes, that's a that's a fair point too. That's a fair point. I mean, sometimes, yeah, we want to have conversations, then we want to have uncomfortable conversations. And I, I think by my own admission, I'm not totally sure I've done, we've done, I personally have done a good job with the difficult conversations, right? And, and I'm just giving it a thought. I don't know if that's really the case, if we've really tackled them and then how well we've done. And some of it, is our style of podcasting and how we've done the show and stuff like that, where it's more casual, laid back. And as you said, you're a bunch of people sitting around having a conversation, whether it could have been at a cafe or a bar or something like that. And you would have some something like that type of conversation happening. It's not exactly what I would call a professional one where, yes, we would do some research and stuff like that, but sometimes things happen. You know what I mean? It free flows with conversation. And then you come back to it and then you're like, hmm, maybe what I said wasn't exactly the right thing. And then you have the discussion again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is the thing about being able to evolve your thinking. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with changing your mind and, and revisiting an opinion. And realizing, okay, what I thought was good back then isn't necessarily right now. Or isn't necessarily the way I should be looking at it now. Right? That's part of the, I guess that's part of part of those conversations. As I, I say to some people, it's like some people that were supposedly living uh, fruitful, uh, sin-free lives 100 years ago probably are thought of as the most sinful people you can think of and probably us right now that are supposedly full of justice and full of sin-free thinking and stuff in 100 years probably the people then are going to think we are terrible people so 
the oh, wheel yeah, sure. keeps on evolving and this, things keep on changing. So you never know. <laughs> this comes on the heels of like doctors, the Doctor Zeus Foundation pulling six of their books because of imagery that they that they think wouldn't look good now. And we've seen that before with other uh, things, like remember Barber and stuff like that, the elephant. And mm -hmm. uh, they don't look too kindly, and that's been going on for many years and stuff like that. And it's the colonial thinking that went into those books from way, way back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, like, yeah, what is it? Like, Kodomo Jikan back then, redo of Healer now, I suppose. Or you could say jobless reincarnation as well, since I've been sure. giving you some links to that one, because that and... one, it feels like every week, different people in different facets, whether it's in Japan or here in North America, having different conversations and they're coming at it from different uh, perspectives, especially on the Japanese side. So it's like, you keep on thinking about that. It's like interesting to think about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we talked about it too, but we sort of hinted on it. Well, maybe anime fandom has become, you know, has a link as being a mouthpiece for, for the alt right, I mean we that I mean that was hinted at in the in Matt Alt's book, and it's been written about. It's kind of funny when we think about that, don't you think, though, Mike? Because you think about some of the conventions, and we think about Anime North, and some of the people we meet and stuff like that. I think we're pretty damn progressive people. It's like we're all either in costumes or we're enjoying our. Uh, Hobby and stuff like that is like you don't oh, yeah. really some see are enjoying that. It doesn't, like we, it doesn't feel like we see that and stuff like that. I think the most extreme things we saw was the uh, free hugs and then uh, the Yaoi guy yelling yeah, Yaoi or say, what? Yaoi and boys love and hentai stuff. Uh, oh boy! But it was no, funny it's too. yeah, and in when you think about it, and when you think about it, it's. Fandom is, I, I think I stated this before, fandom is going against what's considered the establishment at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Fan, um, the establishment in the 60s and 70s was fairly right-wing, fairly conservative. Much of the 80s as well. And then as time has gone through the, through the last three decades, 90s, aughts, now, that's flipped over to the other side. The mainstream thinking was more, has turned a little bit more liberal. So, so the rage was against that. And, 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 and once again, this is just fear to believe the idea that fandom is always against, is always themed on raging against the establishment. But the question is, does any of our rage outside Japan or our passion and stuff like that yet has an influence and stuff like that? But at the end of the day, they've always said in the anime industry in Japan and stuff like that, it's all about the domestic market and stuff like that. So they well, make yeah, what they want, and so a lot of it is based off the light novels and the manga and stuff like that, and video games. So it's like trying to get like a hit out of 
one of the or two or three of those products and stuff like that and get it to the domestic market and stuff like that and anything outside that they've sold is kind of like bonus gravy train especially on the anime and manga side more so yeah although you feel you get the start to get the feeling that's that thinking is sort of changing as well mm-hmm. right there is it's slowly this... been changing i feel like we've been seeing it but every time it's like you still hear the same things every so often about them surprised seeing the numbers and that but we do think it's starting to change and stuff like that and we've seen mm-hmm. that with streaming and stuff like that whether it be netflix or billy billy or whatever yeah okay so okay bring up some memories bring up some memories since we are talking 15 years so like anything do. that comes to mind you just brought up a couple and then i brought up quite a few there's another one i can bring up and that is uh with the changing times and especially since uh we're going to be dating ourselves again because discotech is having um their uh mini uh stream i guess uh on monday it probably will already have passed but this is By their third one maybe yeah. maybe not we'll see i mean but put yeah this their third one in march mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's funny thinking about that that we could have done maybe like a licensing sort of uh prediction sort of thing oh, the pools. way back in version one when conventions and actual announcements happened at conventions and stuff like that we did uh, a prediction uh, thing for licenses. I think it was in 2007, and I looked at it. I think I won it, supposedly. Mm. Mo came in second. Then you came in third, Mike. And then Dean came in last and stuff like that. One time we did the license pool. Yeah, yeah, that was summer of 2007. And we were looking at Oticon. We were looking at AX and all of the conventions and any other announcements they made. It was an interesting time because I think the streaming still hadn't taken off. And Crunchyroll, I'm not sure if they had started their uh, version, whatever you want to call it, where they weren't exactly legal, right? Mm-hmm. And look at we are now where every season, it's just like, here's the anime. That's what uh, Funimation well, sim- yeah, simul- Crunchyroll is like. Basically simulcast, right? Yeah, some of them they announced before, but a lot of them it's just like, here it is, and then it's like day and date, and back then it obviously was not like that. So it was a fun thing to go to those license, like the panels and hear what the new announcements are, or even make those guesses and stuff like that way back when, whereas now it you can't really do that because it's just day and day. It's like, here it is. But the crazier thing is, remember, there wasn't as much anime, pro- like it felt like a lot for me and you, right, back in the audience, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as much because we were still looking at some of what people would consider the old stuff. We were looking at stuff from the 80s and 90s too, so we had a lot. But now it's like kind of crazy because everyone is now focused more on the new stuff, but they're producing so much anime per season, Mm -hmm. like so much that it's kind of crazy anyone could watch a whole season of anime and keep up with all those episodes. Yeah, I know. And and our consumption has changed a little bit too because – the model back then was similar to what was common in Japan. So a volume of a, a single volume of maybe at no more than four episodes. Well, we were actually living the life though. Remember but, and because that was actually better. We were usually Japan was two episodes. I know. I know. We were lucky. It was a version. I didn't say it was exactly, but it was a version of it. And then the other thing though was, as you said, it's like 
I know you were more, you got into VHS, but I got in just as that they were flipping to DVD. So I luckily didn't have to worry too much on the VHS end where you had to choose between dub or sub. Yeah, they were sub. But as we said, they they don't have it on, on the back of the box anymore because it's just standard. But remember when it was, oh, you can flip between your dub or your sub. So it's nice to experience it in different ways. And then they had different extras and interactive menus and stuff like that. So you could change things on the fly and you never used to be able to do that so that's where it's like okay i can stomach that and stuff like that and the cost for us up here in canada where was even more astronomical because usually you'd have three episodes four episodes or five episodes 29 uh, 95 or mm-hmm. 24 95 us and then a lot of the when they converted to canada depending on who you went to sometimes you could see some eye popping numbers before tax like 40 to 50 dollars i know i know sucks to be canadian so you you had to actually choose so that's why when people are saying well these prices are insane and blah 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 like once they went to the season sets over a decade ago and funimation kind of started that trend and stuff like that the late aughts and everyone started following suit it was kind of like a race to the bottom because that was just the msrb of 60 dollars or what have you it's like they're discounted even more, obviously, either on right stuff or other retail purveyors. And so it's like, wow, this is really cheap compared to what we used to have and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And like, even I think... with the Canadian Exchange, if you can't get a Canadian retailer, like, for example, Discotech, we're still getting, like, they're pricing something, for example, um, EPO. They're doing it in three sets. And if you get it on right stuff with a discount, all that stuff, and pre order it, it's $30 American, and it's supposed to be, I think, uh, 50 American. And when we were getting it from Genion, it was five episodes a disc at $30 per disc. So you're saving, like, it's kind of crazy that you could be paying $30 for five episodes versus with discount and all that other stuff, $30 American. And even with the Canadian exchange rate and stuff like that, it still boggles the mind. Like, it's a really good deal. But I can oh, see, yeah. well, like, if you've been buying it recently, I could understand, right? But mm-hmm. it's well, as I said, and then the, it started to shift over there, and in some ways, maybe that's where some of our binginess started. I don't know. And then Just it's some of the streaming on. too, right? Because mm-hmm. well, then, then it fear. allows you to choose so many different programs. Then now, because then it's like it's just a plethora of shows are at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Because well, it used to be we had to choose. It's like, do I really want this? I'm just wondering. Like you, you said, race to the bottom at the time. Did do you think anime got devalued in those season sets? I'm not told. Like I, I'm just calling it basically. A, like it's one of those to me. It's well, maybe it's a you. It couldn't be helped type mentality. It had to go this route because mainstream mainstream shows already by that point were available in seasons. And that's correct. Yeah. And they definitely were way cheaper than anime and stuff like that. But I would say anime, you're looking at a niche price, stuff like that. So I would expect it to have a higher price, obviously, than a mainstream show and stuff like that for a mm-hmm. season set. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you hit that on that. You And I still feel... That 
they could do either a lesser discount to get closer to MSRB, but I would be willing to pay a bit more American to get some more money to something like Discotech because they definitely price theirs at a very competitive rate, I would say, in low rate for some shows where I think they could maybe charge a bit more. But it depends makes- on the series. From series to series, they change their approach and stuff like that. That makes you a noble fan because obviously there's people who will try to avoid pain altogether. And there is, you know, the, the, there is that piracy that still exists within, within our fandom. And we could look at it, for example, um, Aniplex. There, people, like, obviously Bandai Visual went out the door and stuff like that, but Aniplex is still with us, but they did have the shows and they do have the premium price and stuff like that. They've only released uh, Demon Slayer, as a standard edition uh, through Funimation, stuff like that. We'll see if that happens with any other shows in the future that they have a cheaper standard edition. But even for their what we would consider very expensive sets and stuff like that, it's almost like if it was back in the day and we were buying all the volumes of a certain show and then you were paying that 120 uh, American dollars and stuff like that. So if it's something I want to get, then I can say, yes, I'm going to do it and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So like for the main fate, when I said, yes, I'm going to do it, even though it's a little more expensive, even the movies, which yes, it's kind of crazy what you can charge for some of those. Yeah. And as I said, you can, I can, I can consider you one of the more noble fans and there are enough. But I'm not getting much from them, but it, it's something I have to look at. And that's what people do. They made their decisions back in the day and people still do now. You don't need to buy everything. Yeah can't have you can't buy everything i mean i'm i'm kind of thankful like like here i was back in the day the biggest uh, one of the bigger dvd buyers and now i have a whole boxes and boxes literally of dvds and manga that right now are kind of hard for me to get to cuz they're all stacked up and you don't really regret it it's just that's the way it was and i keep saying would I continue buying DVDs now? The short answer is not really. It would have to be something compelling. And I'm, but I'm also thankful for the streaming services now that are there. Mm-hmm. Like the Crunchyrolls, the Funimations, which I don't really go with at the moment. Netflix, for sure. And of course, they're involved, further involvements in said industries. And I guess those are future conversations still to come. Yeah, no, if it's uh, something think, uh, we love and we want to support, obviously, uh, we're going to put some money down and we'll buy I it. I mean, look, your subscriptions to the, to these services help in their own way as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what else stuck out over the years? What else uh, stuck out, at least from version one? Uh, one or two more things, and maybe I'll, we'll, because we're, we've been here for like 45 some odd minutes already. Boy, time flies. No, I think I've mentioned all the memories and stuff like that. As I said, the many people we talked with, uh, talking at the Comic Den with the Vista Brothers and even uh, their old home and stuff like that. It was great being in the Comic Den doing that one episode as they were finishing that up. And that was like a local institution. And you won't see many of those uh, in the future around here or in in any other places in North America. It's It's like a memory you'll never forget. And... You know, it's strange in some ways. People will will probably question why we talk about comic book shops or specialty shops in Toronto. Because in many ways, that's where it helped. 
that's where the fandom really nurtured itself back then. And some of them right? aren't the, selling the con- anime like, anymore, or some yeah. of them had to move to other locations or whatever. Like, like things you have like- your comic dens, beguilings, uh, silver snails, name, um, Keep going, keep going, keep going. Uh, Very with, uh, Tarantula, Anime Extreme, One Million Comics. It's like, like these are inst- these- had some anime back in the day. They don't do that anymore. They're just on the video games and stuff like that. But, but- these are these are names that are synonymous with it, the with it in Toronto back then. And I'm sure wherever you're listening, if the city is big enough, or if there's if the pocket is big enough. There's a version of that in your city. Even Kat Callahan mentioned as much in New Mexico, I believe, when she hung out at an old comic book shop. And we were blessed that some of them were like the ones in downtown Toronto were within walking distance. So some people could go basically down on the go train, basically either from the east or west or wherever Mm -hmm. you were coming and maybe spend a day in Toronto and, get some exercise, walk around and go and see what's in the different shops and maybe buy something. Oh yeah. And there's one name I did forget to mention in all of this. Kiki Y. I was thinking Kiki Y in Chinatown. Yeah. we should. Yeah, Kiki Y was, uh, and this is going back in history for Toronto anime fans or those interested in what it was like here in Toronto. Kiki Y was probably ahead of its time in terms of the, me- in terms of memorabilia, especially imported memorabilia, art books, um, CDs accessories. and stuff like that. Yeah, CDs. Well, keep in mind. Well, CDs, CDs are, I know, depending where you get them from, I know. But you know. and but they were they were the they were I would say pioneers, so to speak, in terms of the merchant of merchandising or really going at selling the merchandise stuff in related to in relation to anime fandom they were ahead of the curve in that sense right and that now that now these days that seems to be what dominates the physical merchandise in terms of anime figures costumes accessories kiki y to many torontonians to many of of the fandom in toronto that was the that was the store that really pioneered all that, the memorabilia side. And that's where you are, and that seems to be, as I said, that's where the physical physical merchandise seems to be at this point in time. Right? It's not really as much on DVDs. It's and but to a degree it's still with the books. The manga, the the physical books have, have in many respects endured. But it's still it's more dominated now by figures and it's right? interesting because i'm thinking about the other one and uh, it's come more into prevalence and they've helped uh, anime north too is navito world and they've based their whole business on figures and becoming and an official distributor for canada and stuff like that and their base mm-hmm. their store their main physical store is based in toronto and stuff like that yeah it's it's just in chinatown as well mm-hmm. right just around the corner from uh, anime extreme mm-hmm so there's the uh, there's where it goes. So those are your memories. Yeah, or no, a lot of them are, are those memories and stuff like that. So what about yourself, Mike? They're a little bit more blurry over 15 years. I mean, as I said, I read the synopsis of all of a lot of the old episodes, 
Yes, I remember the license pool. But there's another story there, and long listen, long-time listeners have yet to call me out on it. I see you smiling there in the video, uh, video. So I know what you're refer. I know you know what I'm referring to. But uh, I guess anybody else will just have to find it, and no, and that's all I'm going to say about it. But the but the license pool was a lot of fun for what it was. It was, and it was just for bragging rights. Yeah, no, no, it was betting. a bit of fun, and like a lot of other uh, podcasts and other things we had done it at the time, and people would have their fun discussions in club rooms and whatever way back then doing those type of things, and you couldn't really get that happening right now, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, well, so, I said, yeah some wonder... people who are watching the disco textures, they might have a little fun with that, but it's not as big as it used to be, obviously, because well, it, has, it's just... it does have me wondering, like, when we were watching Memories a couple weeks ago, who would have been watching? Would it have been old school fans like us? Or, like, I mean, how many of those fans would have been fans in within the last, oh, let's say, 15 years? Like, the history of the show. Maybe the furthest back you can go is people who got into it in the, to, in, in right in 2000. Like, because think, by, by, by that point, we, we were there, but we had been around for a couple of years already. So I think we'll have to go a little further. So mid-aughts. So around the time this podcast started. So 15 years, not 20. How many, how many fans would have been in watching that? Fans who would there's have... There's definitely some old school fans and definitely some fans uh, from my generation, your generation, Mike. And I think even maybe there might be a few younger fans and stuff like that that were watching that. And that's because someone either latched them onto a show that Discotech released and then they became a fan of just some of the stuff that Discotech released because they have a lot of different shows now in the catalog and they release quite a bit of anime now, like five releases a month and stuff like that. So sometimes mm -hmm. something might tickle their fancy, they go and they enjoy it and stuff like that. And this one, the way uh, they've been doing it with the online stuff and even the memories thing, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, why not? Let's give it a roll because they showed the passion and they brought the passion and mm -hmm. we heard it and, even in the dub. Yeah. And we, we talked about it when we talked at length about memories a couple weeks ago, it mm. was like, if you weren't there at the time it was out, then that's fine. But everyone points to it as one of the masterpieces of the medium. And that, you owe it to yourself to understand it and you understand and everybody who was involved in that dub understood the benchmark that memories was in terms of the industry and treated it as such. Right. I mean, that was the theme we use. So they, we use that type of wording when talking about the production of that dub. If you remember, right. And all the care they put into that and why, you're not totally sure or why I'm not sold. We may ever really see a discotheque dub again, or, or at least a reminder why we can't have these things often. Well, I'm because sure we'll it, see more doves. It's just, it has to be the right project as we know. And mm -hmm. also for, has for to be the right length and stuff like that, whether it's an OVA or a movie like series mm -hmm. are a tougher sell and stuff like that because they run lean and mean. They don't have, all the money in the world, like Sony, of course. Well, yeah. And then 
Well, okay. So, any real memories? I mean, as I said, I, I go through the episodes, the episode synopsis, and sometimes I forget a lot about the episodes themselves. I see names that I don't recognize anymore, I fully admit, and maybe I have to re-listen to. It makes me regret not making like more detailed show notes, because I didn't. They were just like, back then, they were, the summaries were probably no more than five lines. But then you see how I'm doing them now on the on the on the site. They're like pages long, time stamped stuff. Time stamped summaries. Very detailed stuff. Which I now know that the one or two people who listen to this show actually appreciate. I mean, that's, and that's the standard I know with many other podcasts and stuff like that. And yeah, why we talked about trash taste, they do it, but they do it, as I said as well. And I'm sure some other ones that use video do it too, where they actually split it up, right? And make it into their and, own and videos. And that way a person can go there. Clickable cues and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And as I said, they, they do a good job. And so we're just kind of getting onto it. And I think that's a trend that developed over those eight years we were gone. It was sort of there when we started. I mean, I think AWO has done it for years too. And then I never really latched onto it personally. And even as we came back in 2018, I wasn't quite there yet either. But then as the pandemic wore on, and I think it culminated with the Matt Alt talk, that's where we really started being detailed with the with the time stamping. And I think, uh, and that, and to us, and this is one of those reflections, keep in mind, okay. And I, I guess that now I can bring back a memory. The episodes back then in version one, we taped them and I made it a point to bring those, put those episodes right out there within an hour or two of the taping. And, may, and that's why you got the four line, four line summary. Right, you got to hear them warts and all with all our stammering, ums, ahs, buts, you likes, and these days, whenever we tape an episode, we tape them, and this is now we're going to give a little bit of behind the scenes information about the show and how we do it these days. We'll tape it on a Friday or Saturday, but it doesn't come out for a few days after that. Like the turnaround, if it's 48 hours, that's considered amazing, but it's more likely to be 72, three days before we actually put the episode up there. It's because, and I'm doing all the editing. And this is not to toot a horn because I just don't want to, you know, burden the others with the, with the task. They have their own lives. James, James is still working. Mo is still working. Kevin is still working. Jeff is still working. I'm not, I have time to do this. So I actually go through the episodes and I actually do edit it now. This is something that's has only been a recent development for this show. It's only been a recent development over the last year. 
I learned the be- I learned the joy of separate tracks. That's really what it is. Having every everybody on their own tracks and be able to just splice it together. And I think the last year, like the pandemic sucks. Make no mistake about it. It sucks for the world. It it's brought out the best and the worst that society has to offer. And I mean that. I'm not kidding when I say that. It's also probably been the greatest blessing for this podcast, I'm afraid. Because it's given me time to work on it and improve it. To search out those those interviews. And maybe uh, be able to finally catch up on some of the more recent anime. Although I define recent as something within the last 10 years. Urukoi was a couple years ago. Toradora was around the time the purgatory began. Right? I mean, I'm going to watch... I'm going to have to make sure I get the title right because I know I got it wrong in the recording... I mean, I'm going to try to watch Great Passage because I refer to it as Secret Passage or Hidden Passage. No, it's Great Passage. I know Great Passage is some years old. I think it's like at least four years old. And I was on and Noitamina and, and Amazon in that, and, uh, and Discotech released it physically. So, And then that's based on a movie that was I watched that was seven years old, I think. And on and on. So I'm talking about animes that at least were within the last decade. But that still doesn't quite get me there. Like the, the, Now we're talking what the plans are, right? But as I said, this is, I think, the best... You know, I, I, I guess that's how I made use of the, uh, of the time off in the pandemic from where I usually work. I've caught up here. At least in terms of how we do it. Now, maybe uh, the key thing is to let others, uh, is to make sure others um, listen. So if you are a Facebook regular on the unofficial Anime North page, there's like a bunch of pages dedicated to Anime North, but there's at least one unofficial one. And I did do a promo for that, but I know there hasn't been too many listeners based on that. Yes, we're going to try and swing the Anime North Association a little bit more in the future. To that end, I know I've reached out to members of of their social media team. So hopefully in the future, we can actually get people who are actually in the know, more inside track on Anime North regularly doing it and maybe we'll be able to talk to norm online pretty sure he know he's savvy enough to be able to uh you know be able to talk to us he's somebody we would uh like to see how he's do how he's holding up in, in all of this yeah we're looking to get jp uh, back we're looking to just keep going I don't know. 
I said, this is, it's nice to get listeners, but, you know, we can't be too, we have to be true to who we are too, right? So, uh, the other thing is, are we going video, right? I think, I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure I still have a face for radio myself. Plus, uh, plus I don't think, uh, as far as I know, not all of us have a good camera setup of any sort, a good webcam setup. Or either that or it's not, or in the case of Kevin, right now it's non-existent. So, as much as I think it would, uh, as much as I believe the idea that it would be good for us to have a YouTube or Twitch presence at the moment, or a YouTube and Twitch presence, period, at the moment, that's what I was trying to say. Maybe that's not in totally in the cards. And I don't know. Like, I get it. There's like there is a trend of simulcasting radio. Remember, we're based on where this show is meant to be inspired by talk, uh, talk radio. And talk radio has been simulcasted, or as they, as I think a catchword is these days, multi-platformed, right? But it isn't as simple as showing the speakers constantly on camera. You have to do more with that. You have to be able to intersperse other images into that, which was uh, at, at the at the least. And that was something that shows like primetime sports tried doing initially, right? It wasn't just showing Bob McCowan sitting at a microphone wearing his glasses. They tried to show, you know, little videos of whatever they were talking about interspersed and all that. That's the minimum you should be doing. But uh, maybe that's hot. That's, and that's, those are production values that right now, I fully admit, uh, maybe we don't have. But then again, it remember this talk we've had about why I prefer just doing it on audio, right? You can flesh out your narrative a lot better. You can tell your story. You can have your conversations and really flesh them out and lengthen them to one hour, six minutes. <laughs> You can't really, you, if we were doing this on a video medium, you'd be a little bit more constricted by its mere existence for whatever reason. Because sometimes you have to be able to tell, to be a lot, tell your story a lot faster. And sometimes you're not able to, or at least to the effectiveness one would want. That's the, that's one side. The other side of the coin is I, uh, that I also get is, well, it's more centralized, and that's probably why YouTube videos are able to get their viewerships. It's because it's on YouTube. It's in one spot. YouTube's hu a huge website, but it is one spot to start. And once you're at least within those doors, within the surfing on that website, surfing on the YouTube app, you're at least in the door, and you might be able to catch somebody. 
have finally have that algorithm smile down on you. Podcasting itself tends to be more decentralized. I think that's sort of one of its flaws. It was never, it didn't really have a central repository. It's very fragmented and, and maybe that's also like, that's partly its beauty because it's partly its beauty and it's partly its weakness. Like there's, there's a case for both because centralizing it would probably mean selling out on it. And you hear these stories of, you know, all these, you hear stories of Amazon and Spotify buying up podcast networks, not just individual podcasts, but sometimes for whole networks to put on their thing. And maybe it ends up losing the whole essence that maybe podcasting was supposed to be the fear of commercialization. This sounds familiar if you're an anime fan, doesn't it? Cause that's a big part of the discussions and the debates that go on in fandom. And probably is a big part of its divide. Well, podcasting in its own way has a version of it itself. Maybe that's what we're facing. I don't know. But I'm just thinking about where we're going. Right? And I, or either that or I'm just uh, talking to friends because I'm not totally sure who else I'm talking to out there. What do you think? I think we'll see uh, where the conversation takes us as always and stuff like that. And it's definitely been a ride for the last 15 years or so, uh, even with uh, the elongated break and stuff like that. And we've learned things, as you said, along the way and stuff like that. And it's slowly but surely and stuff like that. And we do things on our terms and always have. I think that's that, that's probably the key thing. I think we just do this on our terms not have to worry about anything else if it's just if it's just our if it's just uh us and our closest friends listening to this show that's probably as much as we can do and we can uh, and that's fine right of course we're going to try and may, uh, try and get more listeners if you're hearing this and think uh, you know somebody who would be able to enjoy this as well pass it on you know, or we'll give the information at the end. It's a bit of a ramble right now, isn't it? No, no, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed coming back at, for after, like, when we came back three years ago, James. What was it like? Like, did it feel like we were, we could eventually, like, it, I'm not going to say it, it felt like we could quickly get back in the saddle. I think it was clear we weren't fully off of it, that we could event, like when we did that first recording back in February, 2018, that return mm -hmm. recording. We still had just, to find people, as we said. We still we had I to think figure we had out to get, our, get our feet back under us. I think and that's how it I was. think it was nice to do a few different things, as we said, like we did some different interviews and stuff like that, where you decide, you know what, I'm going to see if I can get Fred shot and see if he wants to do a quick uh, 
interview or something like that. And that, yeah, that ended up being closer to it led us to think about maybe doing some small ones with others. Now, obviously, JP was on one of our regular episodes, but it was nice to reach out to him and gracious enough to come and talk with us about uh, Lockdown Con and then uh, mm-hmm. and then a few other things. And then the other thing, of course, was talking to Matt Alt and reaching out to him. And that was more obviously uh, one-on-one and then myself along for the ride for that. And then, as you said, uh, with Cat Callahan and stuff like that which came from uh, the idea of me passing on uh, that article to you and your care about core and uh, thinking, you know what, this would be something nice to do, have someone else who cares about it just as much as you do, of course. Yeah. As I said, the, the pandemic has been a blessing for this show, a curse for the rest of the world, but a blessing for this show. And for reference, when we started the pandemic series, I think we were on episode... Like in the in the version two era, we had done we had only gotten to. I'm trying to look it up now. We had only gotten to episode seventeen of the ver- of of this version two era. We're already up to episode thirty six. We've doubled the output of version two already. So I guess that's worth something. And I, and I think I think these almost 20 episodes, well 18 episodes I guess. Oops. What is it? 18 episodes. Yeah, it is about 18 episodes. These 18 episodes have been by far the it's cl- it feels like it feels like when we were doing those shows weekly back then. And that's what I was one. thinking too. It, 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 feels, it feels like that in some ways and, compl- and a little bit more different because you know if you have another way of doing it now. Right? And we like are taking a seasonal break too because we were doing weekly episodes and then when summer came around, we'd maybe we do took- one or two, but we'd relatively take a break and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Whereas this... But- We've been going pretty consistently throughout the year and stuff like that. We've been doing it bi-weekly, right? And then, mm-hmm. of course, so you're listening to this. Almost feels the same. Almost feels the same. Almost. It's it, there's a little. It's a little different too. And then, as you said, we've had a few in between here and there. Like we've had the Matt Alt. Uh, you did the one with Cat Callahan that went in between. We did. The, we did a few. Di- we did a digester too. We talked to Angela. And stuff. We've talked. We've talked to Jesse. Mm-hmm. We talked to Jesse. Uh, uh, two times. So, you know, I, I guess the best we can do is just keep going. So, um, we did mention future plans. We'll try and talk a little bit more anime North and try and have a few more anime North personalities do the show a little more now, you know, really start acting like the official podcast of anime North. That's a story in itself, why we haven't. And some people will even debate if we even are. I'll, t- uh, I'll join in on the debate, I suppose. There are other people who we've wanted to talk to from various YouTube channels. And we'll try and get them on because uh, I know some of the stuff they offer 
are really interesting. And one thing we are trying, I am trying to work on now. If you remember Anime Pacific, there's one of the hosts of Anime Pacific, the a podcast back then when we first came on, has started a new one as well. Dane, uh, we, we've been in touch with. So we're hoping to talk with him at length and maybe get uh, Daryl Surratt to finally do the show as well. And, you know, we want to, I want to talk with both of them at the same time and see what their experiences have been like podcasting on and off. Well, on and off, I guess, between Dane and myself or all the way through, as is the case with Daryl throughout those, these 15 years. That's a story we've, a, t- a conversation I know we want to do in the near future. And we're just trying to see if we could get our ducks in a row or uh, get on the same page to be able to do that. Daryl, uh, Daryl hinted that, um, that we, I was, I reached out to them in the new year's episode of anime world order. Yeah, it is true. We are trying to arrange for something to celebrate our 15 years on, uh, since the beginning. I'm not going to say 15 years on the air. We, as I said, we had that eight year uh, break. So we can talk about it then. And maybe we'll try a few other creative things. But as I said, we just want to take, James and I really just want to take some time to reminisce about 15 years since the very first episode. And I know there's other stuff we want, we, that's worth talking about. I know when we come back on next week, we'll, the. 10th anniversary of the Great East Japan Earthquake will have just passed. I know there's other stuff we've been watching and reading. We'll talk about that. I know James Wand is chomping at the bit. I know at length one other story that made major news this week here in Toronto is the final verdict from the Young Street van attack, which we mentioned three years ago when we formally announced that we were bringing back Anime Roundtable fully at anime north there was a verdict in that it's a full guilty verdict I, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that cuz something tells me jeff and kevin and mo will have a say about about what happened there so those are basically what you guys have to look forward to when episode 37 comes up in a week's time, I guess. But uh, thanks for thanks for uh, s- sitting around for a little bit just to hear uh, James and I know share our own memories of having to do this for the last fifteen years, and no, right. go ahead. I was just thinking, Mike, I was like, we must have done it in true uh, anime roundtable fashion because I think we were planning, thinking of just doing some reminiscing and making it a digest of sorts. And instead, we have over an hour of discussion from podcasting to memories to everything else in between. And it's always fun doing that because you Mm -hmm. never know where we're going to go. Sure, this could be the, the, the for all I know, it'll cut off. Not likely. Nothing's guaranteed, though. 
Well, thanks for uh, listening. That's all we got to talk about right now. If you like what you heard or want to give us some feedback, it would be appreciated. We'd like to know that there are listeners out there. You can reach us via email, animeroundtable at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram, at animeroundtable. And you can hear 15 years worth of episodes, minus eight in the middle. Animeroundtable.com is our website with all of our past episodes and show notes. Once again, typically we do episodes once every other week, but as we're doing this week, once in a while we'll just do something special on the off weeks as well. But if you are enjoying what you're hearing and want to make sure that you won't miss any other episodes, Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you can leave us a review, leave us a good one because, well, one, leave us a a review, and two, we hope it's a good one because it'll help this show appear for others who might be interested in listening as well. And I guess that's all that's on our our minds. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next week.